So, wow, a lot going on. So, uh, you guys are loaded with questions tonight. I do have a question I can start with, and I, I'm surprised it's taken four or five weeks for someone to ask about the Middle East. Um, but um, if you don't, I'll, I'll put that on the table in case uh, you all have something pressing. Just you got to know the answer to tonight. Other than Jesse, he keeps asking these harder questions, like, you know, what about the rings around the throne? You know, I'm like, well, I'll have to wait till I see him. Uh, so, all right. No? Well, if you think of anything. So the question came up, which wasn't surprising to me. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm surprised it hasn't come up sooner, um, which was about the Middle East. Uh, and so... Um, specifically regarding the Palestinians, um, you know, and this isn't really a biblical, it is biblical, but the question is really, uh, pal, man, I'm, let me start over. Pray for me. All right, Palestinian. I'm just going to put versus Jews. And, uh, you know, where should we stand? I'll just leave it at that. Not just where should we stand. There's more to it. Kind of really more importantly is, um, um, you know, what, what, what about, more specifically, what about the... Palestinians. I'll just put suffering. And that's, I'm glad I'm putting it up here on writing because that's, I need to keep it for my own framework. Because uh, this is a really loaded situation. You notice how I put Palestinian versus Jews, all right? I start off with this question. And if you start off with the first question, where should we stand? It's really short and easy to say, but what's in, well, I, the reason I wanted to put the second part up is what about the Palestinian suffering? Because it's it's uh, nuanced. Most of y'all are well. We do have a very kind of a diverse group here. So those of you that have been in Christ, I'm not talking about physical age, but if you've been in Christ 20 years, um, there's really not. Most people have no. Que- there's no question. I mean, it's just I've been in Christ 20 years. That's an easy answer. Where do we stand? You stand with Jews. Why? Well, because of the covenant of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. It's over. Question's over. But I'm glad this came up because you really need to be a little bit more nuanced than that today. Because if you're not a Bible believer, doesn't matter what your physical age is, if you haven't been in Christ and you haven't been grounded in the Word, you're not going to know how to answer this question. Um, And some of you have been brought up in a Christian environment or maybe just a just the way your even your political leanings are um a lot of this is couched in poli- political um mindsets and so i want to i want to just i want to blow that up because where should you stand between this you should stand with jesus <laughs> that's where you should stand stand with jesus right so uh both of these groups need to be saved this is where you want to start um uh both groups need Jesus need salvation in Christ Jesus Now this is an interesting thing as well um because you have two religions what are the two religions we're dealing with primarily Right, so you got Islam. Islam is this one, and then you have well, you said Judaism. I'm just yeah, that. Well, that'd be it. Judaism. I don't know how to spell that. How do you spell that? Judaism. Somebody help me out. All right, so that's what I'm going with. I'll make it so small they can't catch it on the camera and make fun of me. So, um, right, so. Interestingly enough, both of them believe in Christ, a Christ. Yeah, neither of them agree that Jesus is the Christ, right? They don't believe in Jesus as the Christ. 
So that that's that just that really is where a Christian has to start there. Before you get all caught up in everything else, you know, just realize you're dealing with two lost groups of people that don't know Jesus. And so right now in this dispensation, they need Jesus. Um but they don't they don't believe either one of them. Now, they believe that Jesus is a prophet, right? So these guys, they see Jesus as the prophet. Um, and these guys don't see Jesus as anything, you know. He's just a, yeah, yeah, he's a Jewish heretic. I like, that's easier. Uh, I don't know why I decided to go down, but it's fun. All right, so he's a Jewish heretic. So that's, 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 neither one of them put any weight on Jesus. And so, obviously, then they're both hosed because they're not going to, if they don't have that, they're not going to have eternal life. They can blow each other up all day long and continue, and the devil will continue to win the war. All right? So, um, so that's, that's an easy answer. That's done. Okay, so it's not that easy, is it, though? No, it's not. Because there is a biblical, from a geopolitical perspective, um, and it's now it's being forced on you to make a decision a little bit. You know, which side are you going to take? Well, obviously, from a geopolitical stand, you got a moral reason to side with the Jews. Uh, they've been attacked, and um, and they're responding justly. Uh, but you also have, uh, on the other side, the Palestinians will claim to be, um, you know, the suffering indigenous peoples of the land, of which uh, they are somewhat, in, they're in only indigenous, and that <laughs> that was also Israel's land long before those uh, migrant um, Arabs showed up, and so um, so the, the the Palestinians, interestingly enough, are um, I like that they chose Palestine. I was just pointing out in Exodus 15 a couple of weeks ago that the um, Palestia was the name that Moses used all the way back then, uh, which is where the Philistines dwelt. Uh, so. Uh, it's it's almost as if they want to take on the role of the Philistines and fight the Jews every chance they have, uh, and so which is a bad place to be because in the end God wins and God will establish Israel as He promised. So uh, just real quickly, uh, let's just do a quick survey of what the Bible says about Abraham's seed in Genesis uh, 12. Let's start there. Uh, this is not this. So some this isn't debatable. This is Bible. I'm not, this is not preference. This is what the Bible says. Um, in Genesis 12, very clearly in verse 1, and uh, I, and this will probably, if I have time, I, I'm going to take this. I wanted to put slides together and do pictures and all this, but I, I didn't have the opportunity to get that today. Uh, time ran out. So um, you're going to have to hang with me as I roll through a lot of references. But it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this is a this is a verse three of this passage is very important because it says, I'm going to bless those that bless thee. Curse those that curse thee. Now, it sets a precedent of blessing him and his seed just by the context because he's talking about his seed um, and, and being a great nation in verse 2. We have the benefit of the Bible and history to know that that obviously he's the father of faith and that becomes the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ishmael is in the mix, which is, is part of this contention with Islam is they would say Ishmael is the promised son. They claim Ishmael, the promises through Ishmael, and they claim the promises through um, um, Isaac. Yeah. So they say, oh, the Bible really, he's really the promised child. Well, we say, well, actually, it's Isaac. He's the child of faith, which he was. All right, so that's what's true. So the devil's been monkeying around with this story. Uh, in this situation, because he's had this in the works for quite a while, um, and so Isaac is is the the seed of Abraham, and then we have uh, 
um, <clears throat> Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from his 12 sons come the 12 tribes, and the 12 tribes take, uh, enter the land under Joshua, and they end up establishing the, the nation, the kingdom of Israel, not without um, great, even, you know, through the time of the judges, through great consternation from their neighbors, right? So they had victorious entry, but it was hard to get the government going, right? Everybody likes to get property. Nobody wants to take care of it. And so it's like, hey, guys, get the cities of refuge set up. Get the tabernacle in Shiloh going. Let's get this part, Let's get this going, you know, and I'm going to leave some enemies so every generation can learn how to fight. But before we get too far into it, you have the, the book of Judges, and uh, you have every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. And the people who were supposed to be dominating in the land had a moral failure and could no longer have any power. And so then they end up becoming subservient to um, the Philistines or the Amorites, the, Am- the ancient enemies that they were there to displace. And so uh, we see in Judges great, awesome stuff. These individuals show up from time to time, like Gideon and even guys like Samson, God uses, you know, the craziest people, and uh, and Barak and and uh, Deborah and all these all these stories that that uh, go through the book of Judges of these acts of faith and deliverance, and then of course eventually we come to David. David's important because um, there's there's uh, he's also part of the Messiah Highway, coming from the seed of Pharez, right? Um, a child that was uh, born out of perversion um uh an inability to to uh, judah to give his his uh, daughter-in-law to to observe the the law of the kinsman redeemer she takes matters into her own hands and in a perverse way has a relationship with her uh you know feigns to be a prostitute which that doesn't say a whole lot about judah and uh lays with him and has a child named pharez so out of that messed up crazy and he's he's minded to kill her when she has uh, is known that she's with child because she's played the harlot, uh, and then she's like, "Hey, the child's yours." And then he's like, "Oh, uh, you've been more virtuous than me because I haven't given you uh, to my sons as I should." So you guys know the story. And so from that crazy messed up Pharez, eventually comes Boaz and Ruth, and through Boaz and Ruth comes Jesse, and through Jesse comes this guy, this kid named David. Um, and so, uh, and then David is. Is of course you know he's the anointed, and then there's there's prophecies with David, um, and I'm going to have to look these up real quick, um, where God gives him an incredible uh, messianic prophecy. Let me find it with real quick here. Oh man, I'm I'm one page away from there. There it is. Um, thank you. And so down in verse uh, 15. He says, mercy shall not depart away. This is 2 Samuel 7 and verse 15. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, uh, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thine kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Boom. And so that is Genesis 3.15, man. I mean, we are we are cooking with gas. So if you go back to Genesis 3.15... Uh, God makes a promise to say, to to uh, Satan uh, that dude you're 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 gonna you're gonna come to an end, um, and he says, um, "I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." So through this promised seed of Abraham comes forth Isaac, comes forth Jacob, comes forth eventually David, and he says, "Oh, and by the way, I'm going to have a king." You're going to have a throne that's going to last forever and ever and ever. Okay, so I'm glad you're hanging with me. Let's just pause the, the tape there because I'm just flying over history. We're in a jet plane. We're in the Concorde going over the Bible, you know. And then we stop. We're going to stop here for a second. There's some key things going on here in Second Samuel chapter seven, and uh, and this gets into this says this does answer the question of quote where you should stand. And again, I'm not going to back off. We stand with Jesus Christ. That's who we stand with. Uh, and this is why, because God God promised uh, a people uh, a property. And and by the way, if you're just picking this up online or you're watching this audibly, do not stop. This is I usually don't care. I don't ever say anything, but don't stop the tape. You got this. Everything I'm about to say has to be the whole context. I don't want anything taken out of context. You got to land the plane on this um, because it's important. 
you got to get to the end of this. Um, and so, uh, because if you just stop here, it could be misunderstood. Um, and so, 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 so the house of David, as we all know, uh, is this promise is, is, is mega right here in verses 16 of, of chapter seven of, of, uh, second Samuel. And, and, and he says in verse 21, for thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears, and what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest uh, to thee from Egypt, from the nations uh, and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and, that, and thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word uh, thou hast spoken concerning thy servants, or thy servant, and concerning his house, uh, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, uh, saying the Lord of hosts uh, is the God over all Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to the, thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art the God, and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee, for thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever, 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 forever. This is an eternal king and an eternal kingdom that we're talking about. This is based on David like going, hey, you know, let's build a house for God, you know, and God's like, well, David, I don't need a house, frankly. I've never needed a house. Uh, we've been dealing with this temple, tabernacle the whole time. But since you bring it up, I'm going to let you build a house. And I'm going to go ahead and establish your throne forever and ever and ever. But why did he do that? Well, because he promised Satan there's coming a seed and it's going to bruise your head. Uh, and and uh, and this seed, is, of course, is Jesus Christ. And we, we get that. So that prophecy is huge, not only because it's of the messianic properties, which we could trace. Uh, and I didn't take the time to, but we could take the time tonight and for time's sake, I'm not going to, and I could run you through each and every prophecy. So the prophecy given to Abraham is also given to Isaac, which is also given to Jacob, which is also given to the 12 tribes, uh, which then finds its way to David. I mean, so uh, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a revelation, so to speak, in 2 Samuel that, that before that time, nobody knew, right? So the Bible reveals things progressively as you read it. Uh, you aren't going to understand David's seed until you get to Second Samuel and you see God bless it. And you're like, oh, okay, that's where that connection goes. Of course, for that, it's that time of year, right? We, we praise God we got past uh, uh, Satan's day yesterday. And, and so now we're into November, Thanksgiving month. And then we'll be into Christmas and we'll be celebrating the fact that the king has come, right? And he came as the king of the Jews, uh, the Magi, right? The, they understood that. Um, he, he, I mean, he was the king and he is the rightful king to the throne. Uh, and yet, um, he came to his own, his own received him not. Why is he the rightful king? Well, because the Bible says so. The, they understood that the Jews under, they were, they could not wait for a Jewish king. Oh, I'm glad I said that. They couldn't wait for a Jewish king. They couldn't wait for a Messiah to deliver them from the Roman oppression. And they were ready for a king, but they weren't ready for a savior, right? And they were like, wait a minute, even Peter. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, giving a hard time to the, the Jews. I mean, as a whole, I mean, even his disciples were like ready to, Peter had a sword for a reason. I mean, he's ready to chop some heads off. He was ready to bring in this kingdom. I mean, th that's what they were looking for. And they had every right to. So they have every right. So just to, let's just set that in stone here. So we're talking, uh, what's the date on that? Um, is that about, I don't have the dates, I don't have a date in this Bible, but uh, 
I'm guessing it's around. Uh, this is probably about uh, uh, two. It's not. Uh, it's about a thousand BC. If anybody can run the date on that, let me know. Because that's important to to this discussion up here. Thousand, yeah. So it's around a thousand BC, approximately. Yeah, I don't have the hard date. Let's just for round numbers, let's say a thousand BC. Um, so around a thousand BC, um, and we can look it up and back into it. Um, you have you have a king and a throne and a temple with Solomon. Speaking of Solomon, who does build that temple? Uh, David collected for it, and then Solomon builds it. And there are stables that you can find in archaeology, and there are uh, and there are artifacts, and there are. So if you go do a dig in Israel to this day, you will find artifacts from 1000 BC and and further back, and they will have Hebrew uh, inscriptions upon them. So uh, just so kind of get that in your head. So just from a, this is just a purely X's and O's. Perspective. When people talk about that land being the Palestinians' land, well, it's not because the Jews weren't there a thousand years before, right? So, you, 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 uh, well, now we're saying three thousand years ago, <laughs> right? And so, just to kind of put that in perspective, almost, you know, three thousand years ago, these people had a kingdom in this land, and it's documented, right? You fast forward the tape to King of Assyria coming down to, to uh, invade, uh, which was a huge major. Gentile kingdom uh, before the captivity, and you got you got you got independent resources. You can go to the British Museum, and you're going to find written about uh, Sennacherib's attempt to try to defeat King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's in recorded history, right? So that's over you know that's 2,500 plus years ago, uh, and so. 2,500, that's just for a round number, around that, because 606 B.C., so it was before that. So um, about the time of the of the 760 B.C. when the Israel went into captivity, or the, the ten tribes went into to dispersion. So um, so those are documented, like, historical facts, not counting the fact that in 606 they go into captivity. Uh, you got it documented not only in the Word of God, obviously, which is our standard, but then you got just history. History. Xerxes was a guy. Artaxerxes in the Bible, and Israel did return to the land. And a guy named Nehemiah. They did. They did establish themselves again in the Promised Land. I mean, so, uh, and that's again. That's those are historical factoids. So I mean, there's there's a lot of history here. And of course, we know the Romans. They came through. They Alexander the Great stops. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, the Romans, the Greeks. So Alexander the Great stops. In Jerusalem, historical fact, right? They're there. And he has a dream and says, I can't destroy the city because I had a dream. And so uh, he makes a deal with the priest, and and, is, and Jerusalem is, is preserved. And then it goes on into uh, the Romans later who do come in. And, and then you have Antiochus Epiphanes and all of that that's going on, uh, which is prophecy fulfilled in short and also pictures what's going to happen again. I mean, this stuff is so documented in history, not just in our Bible, that you can't hardly you can't hardly miss the fact that these folks have a homeland. There's a reason in 1918 they were arguing over who's what, what do we do with these Jews? Where should we send them? Send them home, because that's their homeland, right? And so they've been dispersed. Now it's unheard of for people dispersed for you know uh, 70 so uh, you know over 1900 years. 1800 whatever years it was at the time, uh, 70 AD to 1918, to restore <laughs> back to their promised land. What nation of people that's been dispersed all over the world has that ever happened to? I mean, that's that's unusual. I mean, we had people out of their country for 200, 250 years. Uh, the, 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 the Nepali refugees that went into Nepal or went into Bhutan and then got expunged in the, or got expelled in the 1980s. And for 20 years, they sat on the border of, of uh, Nepal there in India in the, the camps. Nobody was letting them go in. I mean, that, that, those people, are they're all over the world again. They're, you know, they couldn't even go back home, and, they, and their country was still intact after 200 years. There was no space for them to go back home. 
if I roll up into Germany tomorrow or England and say, hey, my name is Brian Hedges and I got relatives that used to live here. They're going to say, who are you? What do you want? I don't know. I think you're with that rebel group over in the United States. You have no inheritance over here. And so for God to bring all these people back, it was, it was amazing. And he did it. And the whole world war was fought over it, World War II. So we know the history. So there's no question about that property and who it belongs to. But there's also the issue of the prophecy and what God's going to do there. And so I want to get into that. Uh, and that's why I'm trying to fast forward through a lot of things. Because the prophecy also helps you understand this whole picture and the actual current events right now. Because it isn't 1948 anymore. And I'm not J. Frank Norris. And I'm not, and I'm not writing a letter to Harry Truman saying you need to support the Jews because uh, Genesis chapter 12 says so. All that's already behind us. So things are moving forward. And so you need to, you need to update your eschatology and make sure you understand what's next. So that you understand what's really going on. And I've already answered the question before I started. What's, what you need to remember is this. Both of these groups are lost and they need Jesus Christ. Because what's coming next is not going to be good. Uh, ultimately, God will fulfill his, his plan. But you also got to work through the, the... We are actively engaged in a in a information war. Uh, and the propaganda is intense. And this particular question came from a young person. Um, that that asked me particularly because they know I'm pastor and prophecy and stuff like that. So there, this isn't coming from somebody who actually is probably boned up on all the things that I just covered. And what they're hearing in the clip they sent me was a really long apologetic for the Palestinians and the atrocities of the Jews. And and from and if I was just them hearing that, I'd be all about man. We got to stop these Jews. Because they are just running over these poor Palestinians. And they are using them as human shields. I mean, and they are just using that justification that, or they're using the justification that Hamas is using these little, these people as human shields and they're just, they're just slaughtering everybody they can because they just love to kill people. These Jews got to be stopped because they're just atrocities. They're just committing atrocities. I mean, you would think they were Adolf Hitler. Right? Uh, okay, so, so, whoa. I'm like, slow the roll, and, let's, and I hope they're watching because you've got to get biblical. I am not saying there aren't atrocities being committed, by the way. Uh, when you're in a war, there's a lot of atrocities, and there is a lot of innocent collateral, as they call it, collateral damage. Um, I have my theory on why there's obviously, and even, I mean, everyone knows. You don't have to, you'd have to be a fool to know that the, the the Hamas, let's say the Hamas, I don't want to say the Palestinians, Hamas, who rules in Gaza, uh, they they certainly use human, humans as shields. Um, one of their own, one of the son, the guy, he's called the son of Hamas. If you ever go listen to his his, uh, and I encourage you to go listen to his speech, son of Hamas, Jerusalem Post. Uh, he he did, he had made a long speech. This is before. All this broke out, and he makes a strong case that the problem with with this is is Islam, is extreme Islam, and he's a, and he's a Muslim because he grew up watching moms strap bombs to their kids one by one and send them off to blow things up uh, as suicide bombers, and you know that's honorable because that's what you do to serve Allah. It is part of the theology, at least of of, of the particular of, of Hamas. And so, um, you know, they get their virgins and all of that. So it's a works-based system, man. So what better way to work than to blow yourself up for, for, for Allah? You know, what, and, you, and you Christians, you can't even keep yourself out of the, you know, whatever. Carnal Christians, you're going to tell us you're right with God? Hey, man, I'll go blow myself up for Allah. What are you talking about? So there's a lot of disdain, I would think, by some of these groups, rightly so. Right. We call if you think America is Christian, I sit on the I'm going to divert from my notes for just a moment or my thought. But I sit in I sit on a on a corner out out on a sidewalk, I should say, out in front of a shopping mall in London about 20 years ago for about an hour. Me and this Muslim fellow going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And a good majority of what I was exposing to him is, is what I was defining for him is the difference between a biblical Christian and what he believed was a Christian. 
Because they don't see, when they see Christian, they don't see, oh, you go to Heartland Baptist Fellowship and you believe the Bible. What they see is they don't know the difference between you and the Pope, you and America. When they see Christian, it's all one big ball of twine. You're affiliated with the Pope. You're affiliated with all the heresies of Rome, uh, all the foreign policy issues of the United States, (laughs) you know, which, hey, I don't want to be associated with all of that. And so uh, so you have to be very clear. Hey, look, I, I actually agree with you on this and this and this because it's, it's wrong. I don't believe this and that about Jesus. He is the son of God. And, of course, you're going to disagree on a lot of the, the, the Trinity and the Godhead stuff. But but it blows their mind a little bit because you're like, I agree that the Pope's a heretic. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a Protestant. I'm not protesting the Pope. I'm a Bible believer. I believe what the Bible says. It's all in here, you know. So. You're going to disagree over Ishmael. You're going to disagree over uh, over Jesus Christ being God. Those are the two biggies. It's kind of like talking to a uh, kind of like talking to an RLDS or LDS person. So, um, okay. So I get, let me get back on my my track. So so where we're going with this is you have um, you have this you, you have this um, propaganda going out. And as a Christian, as a Bible-believing Christian, let me say, we got to cut through all of that and get down to what does the Bible say and what's God really want to do with his people. There's a, when I was a young man, this verse just really, really helped me with this. Um, go to Galatians. Um, and, I, and, I, and, and to be fully disclosed tonight, before I was a Christian, who do you think I sided with? What would you say? Yes. Well, I don't think Hamas was running back then, Ron, but yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I was out, I liked Arafat, man. His little scruffy beard and his little headdress and and uh now I'm friends with a guy who used to work for him. But uh uh it's a crazy world how things work out. But uh I mean, yeah, I mean when I was a young man uh here in the United States and just absorbing all of the talk about propaganda just all the propaganda that you get from the evening news, you know, back in the day when you only had four, five, and nine, you know, Walter Cronkite and Walter Cronkite and or whoever Peter Jennings or whoever it was back in the day, and you're watching all of it. And and by the way, in the 1970s, there was there was a lot of turmoil about this very thing, just like there is today. Every time you turn the news on, there's also a Cold War going on, and so uh, and so it was intense. I don't know. If you all feel the intensity, like right now, maybe some people are like, oh, man, it feels like the world's going to... Hey, as a little kid, I grew up under that tension. We always thought we were going to get blown up. You could drive to the lake of the Ozarks, right? And you're going by silos. Hey, Daddy, what are those? Oh, those are rockets that we used to... Nuclear rockets, you know, to blow up the world. You're one of those hits. We're all vaporized. Oh, that's great. So there was tension. You know, you go to school, like 1980, they had the... I can't remember the name of that that movie, but they filmed it in Lawrence. It was a major TV thing, so like you, ever, the world stopped and watched this movie about the whole world blowing up. We had a nuclear attack here the day after, right? We're all still scarred from it. So, <laughs> what's that? Oh, was Harrisonville in that? Oh yeah, the day after, man. It's uh, television history. So you know that was the tension that, that you know. So the, it's not the first time. It's you know, there's been a lot of tension over the years. So, but the tension's real. These are real. These are really reflections of what God's doing among Gentile nations and and spiritual uh, warfare. So let me let me just let me just quickly get you to Galatians chapter four. Um, he says in verse nine. Now he's dealing obviously with liberty in Christ, and this isn't a commentary on the issues going on here in the in the in the Middle East per se. Um, he's talking about legalism here and and uh, the law. He says, I like verse 18, but it's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I'm present with you, right? So it's good to do good things for the right reasons. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to present uh, with you now, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Uh, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. 
So who was the who was the mother who was the mother who was the bondmaid mother? Hagar, right? And the other one was Sarah, right? Okay, we're talking about Hagar and Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. All right, uh, that that settles that issue. <laughs> so it, Isaac is who we're talking about, and Ishmael. Which of these are uh, an allegory? Or which things are an allegory? Oh, by the way, verse 24. So if you don't think the Bible speaks with allegory, you don't. the Bible itself says it speaks by allegory. Uh, moving on. For these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. In case you are wondering, he's very clear. We're talking about Hagar in this analogy. Uh, for this Agar or Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answer to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Uh, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry that travailest not, for the desolate hath more, many more children than she uh, which has a husband. Uh, now, we, now we, brethren, uh, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But... As then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Um, now, he's actually, which would drive a Jew through the roof, saying that, hey, the Jews are like are like Ishmael. I mean, he's like, that would make a Jew mad as a hornet, by the way. Um, but that's a whole side note. Uh, he goes on to say, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Now, I, I just want you to know, when I read that as a young man in the Lord, as a baby Christian, and a boy that came up watching the news, watching Ted Koppel, he came along later, and, and, and being so sympathetic to the Palestinians. I mean, I really was. I just was like, man, kick those, those Jews are just oppressive because that's all the propaganda I got fed. Um, but I got saved, and I found out my Messiah was a Jew and Israel. And then I learned all these promises that I'm running through with you tonight. And then I get to Galatians, and it says, you know what? Cast out. I mean, that's hard. Have you ever went back and read how what Abraham had to do? Now, he wasn't a jerk about it. He took care of, of Hagar and, and, and Ishmael, and, and it is obviously emotionally difficult for him. But he did what God told him to do, and that was get them out. Why? Because God told him, get them out. Because he's going to persecute you. And guys, it's so simple. I mean, if you want to know, uh, interestingly enough, by the way, when you're listening to this propaganda like I did today, this long video of uh, it's, they're, what they're not saying is that, hey, Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Lebanon's not going to take them. Right? It's not like this humanitarian crisis. is. is the Jews are in a lose-lose situation. Again, I am not saying that there isn't atrocities being committed on both sides. I, I, I fully understand. These are lost people. I've already established that. They're both lost. They need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Palestinian Jew. It doesn't matter. They both need Jesus. I'm all for ministry in Gaza. I'm all for ministry in, in, uh, in Israel. Guess what? Neither one of them want us putting Heartland Baptist Church of, of Gaza down. You know, They don't want Heartland Baptist Church in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, or anywhere else either. So just to make this clear, uh, they're not friendly to Jesus. Now, they are friendly to the West because we take our heritage from them and we have value systems and we send them money and we should support Israel because God blesses those that bless Israel. We don't have to turn our brains off, right? They're not redeemed. They're not born again. Uh, And so a president has, especially a president of the United States, has a lot of Big decisions to make, you know, when it comes to the geopolitical relationships between any country and especially Israel. Because while you support them with one hand, I, I would recommend you have Ronald Reagan's wisdom. Trust but verify, right? <laughs> Just trust but verify. Because these, yeah, there are Messianic Jews for sure. Oh yeah, I'm just saying that if I go, if I you, I mean, there, you can legally have churches, but uh, conversion is a difficult thing. 
And the Orthodox would persecute you just like a Muslim would. Yeah, they do not want you preaching Jesus on the streets of Israel. Like, there's no freedom of like, hey, Jesus is your Lord. <laughs> uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. So uh, you got to be careful. Now, those will cater to, to dollars and tourists, and they'll make it comfortable, and they'll placate your belief system and all of that. But don't, don't, don't kid yourself. Now, a lot of Israel today, by the way, just as we talk about Israel, Israel's not all Jews. There are there's there's Muslims that live there. There's Christians that live there. It's a nation. They want to be the conservatives want to make it more of a Jewish nation. And uh, there's secular Jews. I mean, some of the most unbelievably godless people you know that are Jews, are I mean, they don't believe they don't hold to the Bible at all, the Torah. I mean, they're not they're not following their own religion. So it's like it's a little confusing. And uh, and we have a lot of those kind of Jews here in the USA, right? So, um, and so you know, there's it's just like Baptists, there's this extreme. <laughs> so there's there's fundamental, you know, Bible believing Jews, so to speak, that want to, you know, that are just leftovers from the first century, um, that want every jot and tittle and tradition of the of the Jewish nation, and then there are uh, more Western minded liberal Jews that are. You're like, kind of like, okay, you know, I'm not sure where that's coming from. But you know, even when you think about it, a lot of people blame socialism and communism on some Jews because, well, there is a socialistic aspect of the Bible and the culture. And so it's not all wrong. Um, it's just not going to work until Jesus returns. That's the problem. And that's why you got to have Jesus Christ. So it, it gets it gets very clouded when you put geopolitical situations in it however when you live in the united states you cannot help it because uh if you just did the latest u.n vote there's only 14 nations voting for israel every other nation in the u.n voted against israel just like two days ago um so quickly rather again you i already told you islam doesn't see you as a baptist uh they don't see they don't they don't i mean it's just all one big ball of wax the greats, I mean, most of them, not all, but many of the extremists, it's just big Satan. So I, some of the, the Ayatollah in Iran, yeah, he's no friend of America. And uh, and so so you as a Christian are, are lumped in if you support, and a big word right now is Zionism, right? Uh, they don't know that what we know about, and this is nothing new. I mean, this is the same thing as first turn of the 19, early 1900s. There's people that believe that Zionism is a conspiracy. Uh, it's been concocted, you know, and, and to move the nations, you know, the Bilderbergers got together or whatever and concocted all the world events to put Israel in, in there and all of this to control the world and the banking and all of that. But we know it's not anything like that. It's God fulfilling his promises. God has put Israel back in the promised land. By the virtue of you being a Christian and believing in Christ... Uh, a lot of the Islamic world will put you as a Zionist because you, you, because of everything I just said, you rightly place God's people in Israel and Jesus Christ's rule in Jerusalem, which is accurate based on the Bible. And so, therefore, um, you know, Donald Trump did a major thing in, in human history, when, and this is not a political statement. It's a biblical statement. When he got and said, you know what, we're moving the capital, we're acknowledging the capital of Israel is not... I think it was Tel Aviv. We're now we're going to place it in. We're going to the United States acknowledges the capital of, uh, of Israel is Jerusalem. Boom. Well, that's been on the docket uh, probably since 1948. That's probably on Harry Truman's docket, and every president just keeps kicking it down the road uh, for various reasons. And Trump, you know, he took care of it and said it is. Now that opens the door because uh, that's ultimately going to be ground zero in the tribulation. We know that we have the Book of Revelation. And we have all the prophecies of the Old Testament. So everything that the Bible has put forth has come to pass. Now, from these guys' perspective, both the Jews and the and the Ishmaelites, right, they see Zion as Jerusalem. But it's kind of neat how Paul in Galatians 4 talks about Jerusalem above, which is free. So in that little paradigm I just read to you in Galatians, that's what really helped me out. So I don't get too bogged down in the geopolitical activity. And I and by the way, J. Frank Norris was right to write Harry Truman and give him a lesson and remind him of his Baptist understanding of the Jews in the Promised Land. 
And in history, that was the right time for that letter. But what I'm telling y'all is you better be looking for Jerusalem above because everything that's coming down in Jerusalem today is all just setting things up for the coming tribulation period. And yes, we should support Israel because there's a blessing to that. But we should really the, the most important thing for both the Jews and the the Greeks, the Ishmaelites, uh, they're not the Greeks, but the Jews and the Palestinians is that they get saved. Um, and, and, and frankly, uh, if this war works out for more of them to get saved, then hallelujah, you know. But, and, uh, there's a lot of demonic and spiritual activity right now that's bogging clarity down, right, in the gospel. And so I would just encourage you to understand that God has a plan for Israel and Jerusalem and we can, I wanted to talk more about that. I'm really running out of time. I was going to go back to Daniel and lay out all the, the kingdoms and all of that stuff. So maybe God didn't want me to do that. Um, and so, and bring you it prophetically into where we're going and, and what's going to happen in the tribulation. So, so just to kind of run it down, I mean, all the actors of Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 are in play. Uh, Persia, which is Iran. Um, um, uh, the, uh, uh, oh gosh, Babylon, yeah, Babylon. Let me go back and just look at my outline here, not, or at the text. So you have Greece, right, which is Europe, and you have Rome, and you have, uh, uh, and then you have Russia, right, in Daniel chapter seven. You got the bear, uh, you got the eagle, you got the leopard, and so all of these, all of these, uh, these prophecies from the book of Daniel. Um, man, I'm telling you, it's just amazing how the Gentile history has played out exactly like uh, God had given it to Nebuchadnezzar in his vision and as as uh, or in his dream and as it was interpreted by Daniel. So Daniel had uh, the Babylonian kingdom, uh, the Persian kingdom, the Greek kingdom, and the Roman kingdom laid out, and that pretty much covers all of Gentile history. Um, and those, interestingly enough, you know, uh, those those players are still around today. Um, and uh, and so... Babylon is basically Iraq, Persia is Iran, um, Greek is um, the mindset, the philosophy of uh, of our education system. Rome, of course, is that iron rule of Rome, the military style that's been adopted. Uh, but those kingdoms go on. Rome has gone on uh, to this day through uh, the Holy Roman Empire. So the seat and synagogue of Satan was moved to, to uh, Pergamum and then it went to Rome. And so that is still active and will run us right on into the tribulation, and those prophecies will be accurate. In Daniel 7, there's there's more prophecy concerning um, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a wild beast. Uh, and there's different, um, you know, there's different uh, interpretations of these beasts, but uh, Babylon had a lion. England has a lion. Medo-Persia was a bear, but no accident that Medo-Persia is also connected to Russia who's a bear, and today they're connected. Russia's directly connected uh, to that. And then you have um, the, uh, the the leopard, who some would say is, see as the Greek empire, and many would say is the United States, which I wouldn't argue that. Uh, and then you have the wild uh, bear, uh, which again, um, or the wild beast, I'm sorry, which is very clearly uh, in prophecy. There's a woman riding a beast. That's a European uh, European uh, empire there that will bring rise to uh, the beast out of the sea, and so uh, so this, this is a there is a there is amazing clarity from the prophetic perspective about what's happening. The nations are gathering up. Uh, eventually, in the, in the tribulation, there will be all-out war against Jesus Christ Himself. They'll come together in Armageddon to fight one another, and they'll turn on Jesus, and we'll be with them, and we'll stomp it all out, and it'll be over. So. Uh, and so we'll move on into the millennium at that point. But in the meantime, these folks are lost, and they need Jesus, and they're both lost. The Jews are Netanyahu, unless he's born again, I don't know about it. He's just as lost as whoever's running the Hamas show over there. And uh, Netanyahu has every right as a leader of his nation to lead them into battle. And uh, and uh, and by the way, just to answer the question more uh, with some just practical clarity about the Palestinian suffering, um, it is a shame that they're suffering like that. Um, 
but it is also just to be fair to the Jews, they have tunnels underneath. Uh, they have been specific about where they're going to de- bomb and destroy. I'm not saying they're exclusively going to do the northern part of Gaza, which is small in and of itself. <clears throat> but underneath that, they have built intricate tunnels. And so they've been very surgical and systematic. And I'm sure there's a lot of collateral damage. Uh, but they said, get out because we're coming in. I mean, I don't know what else you do in war. Uh, we're coming in. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of misinformation. But I do know that they're trying to... Um, deal with the the network underneath the ground, not just above the ground. And so uh, the Jews are going to take care of themselves, as they should, uh, and they're going to try to secure the best opportunity uh, to defeat uh, Hamas. And so uh, the measures they're taking are the measures they're taking. I'm not here to defend all of that, as I don't know what they're doing, frankly, and probably none of us really do. So, uh, but you can tell, you can, you can, you can know this, um, uh, all of this is going to work out eventually. There's going to be enough war. There's going to be enough war to go around that people are going to want peace. And that's when you. And the guy that's going to bring it is going to be a guy that's going to be beautiful and lovely, and everybody's going to want him. And you know what? He's probably when if if I, if I'm around to hear that, <laughs> if I hear any of his speeches, I'll probably go, man, that guy's awesome. He sounds really good. He's going to say what needs to be said, and and I bet you that most of us would agree with it. It's going to sound. It's going to be so logical. It's going to be so good, and everybody's just going to agree. This has got to be the. This has got to be the guy. And when they say peace and safety, man, sudden destruction is going to come, because he's not the guy. Okay, that'll bring me back to the, where I started. Both of these folks are looking for, for. They're looking for Christ's, but they've missed them. They don't think he's a. They don't think he's the son of God. They don't believe that he's God. And these guys, they don't think he's, he's, they just think he's a heretic. They don't think he's God at all. He's not even a prophet. They both need him. They both need Jesus. And unless they repent and receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ today, uh, it's going to take, you know, the tribulation period to prepare their hearts and their minds to prepare to meet the real Jesus. And the real Jesus is not is going to come back, and he won't be a lamb. He will be a lion of the tribe of Judah. And he will fulfill that prophecy that we saw in Second Samuel, and he will establish his throne, and it will be in Jerusalem. And, it, and he will rule and reign there for a thousand years, just like Revelation chapter 20 says he will. And so today is the day of salvation. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess, because he's no less king of kings today than he will be uh, in Revelation 19 when he comes back. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But just like Peter had a hard time understanding what he was there to do was to be the Savior, right? Uh, man, I tell you what, guys, today is the day of... When we say... When we've been saying this... I've been saying this a lot lately. Today is the day of salvation. I mean it. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day not only for Gentiles in the United States, but for Jews in Israel... And for Palestinians in Gaza, and Hamas, and Hezbollah, and Iranians, and Iraqis, and and Russians, and Ukrainians. I mean, guys, now is the time to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And so the reason that that you have to be wise as a Christian, certainly, where should we, we should obviously stand with God's plan for Israel. Let me just make it clear. God's got a plan for Israel. Am I saying you should trust everything that Israel does as though they're redeemed by the Lord Jesus? Of course not. They're still lost people, right? So have wisdom, but don't turn on them, right? Don't demand their destruction. Um, Don't, uh, if if you, a good, as Dennis Prager puts it, if the Palestinians declared peace with the Jews, what would you have? Peace. You'd have peace. Peace. If the Jews declare peace to the Palestinians, what will you have? War. That's all you got to know. That's the truth. That's the truth of the, since 1948 to today. That is the truth. You can declare peace with Palestinians. They're going to bring war because of their perverse Islamic mindset, especially the Hamas and the Hezbollah. And so... Um, and you know, and me saying that out loud, like right now, if I lived in the Middle East, I'm a dead man just for saying that out loud. These, these guys are extreme. There's no freedom of speech or thought. 
It is a different world. And so you get a bunch of perverts in the United States running around college campuses protesting. They don't even know what they're talking about. The people they're protesting would slice their throat that fast if they met them in person and feel like they were doing God a favor. And beloved, let me tell you something. If Brian Hedges shows up with his gospel gun shooting, they slice my throat too and think they were doing God a favor. So it's a, it's a, it's a real difficult world out there. And you live in a real blessed country. Not only has uh, Israel been blessed, but so has this nation. And, uh, and we are as weak as I've ever seen us as a nation right now. Morally, spiritually, uh, probably we're way weaker financially than people realize. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we better get on our knees and say, Jesus, help, because he is the only help. And, uh, and he's the only help for anybody, Jew, Muslim, and, and certainly those of us that know him as Lord and Savior, we already know he is our hope. He is our salvation. So, so I just, I'll throw that out there. So uh, uh, that may bring some questions or maybe, some, maybe leave, leave it open for any feedback. Um, so I, I mentioned the time frame because when I got saved just, you know, say 30, let's say 35 years ago, when you brought this subject up, it was more of the couched in the perspective of, of, uh, of the establishment of Israel because the end time scenario wasn't just so clear. Now we, we know the next guy coming to make peace. I mean, this is, we're, we're getting close. And, uh, and so we need to have our head screwed on right and get the gospel where it needs to go. It's always been that way, but you've got to be careful with getting too, mixing our theology too closely with the geopolitical interest because I promise you, in the United States, the, the, if, the, if, the, if you give the politicians an opportunity, they will soil the garments of the, of the bride of Christ and use you to advance the political agenda. And so as long as we can keep a separation there and just preach the Bible, there's certain topics like this where you can't just, the Bible is the Bible, Israel is Israel, God's got a plan for Israel, it's a kingdom of heaven issue and it will be established as God says. So it's, it's super clear, you support Israel and their establishment, there you go. If there's somebody doing something wrong in Israel, I mean if they're taking women, innocent women and children out and just shooting them in the back of the head, well obviously that's wrong. Even for a military operation, so they should they should be judged for that within the context of the law. However, just keep in mind, in the Old Testament, they killed every man, woman, and child. Uh, one, one, I mean, as I keep thinking, one of the things that's also hard for us to get our head around, I think us, and I say us, even me as a Christian, as we get closer to the coming, as to the rapture, to our blessed hope. Well, what what kind of what kind of world are we going to be entering into? Well, it's going to look a lot like the kingdom of heaven. For the last couple hundred years, the influence of this nation in particular on the planet has brought a lot of kingdom of God kind of concepts to the front. We honor women and children. We love our enemies. Where's that all come from? That comes not just, oh, yeah, oh, it comes from a Judeo-Christian ethic. It does come from that, but it also comes from the New Testament. That's a Jesus thing. That's a new. That's a kingdom of God influence. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not like that before Jesus. Let me tell you. And so, so as as we get closer to the rapture, warfare is going to change. You're seeing it in the mindsets of people. There's not natural affection. And there's a reason that they had to be expunged. And I'm not. I'm not advocating genocide. I'm saying that the rules of warfare and any any. Uh, uh, any uh, decorum in the rules is, 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 is really a result of a God-fearing people, knowing they're going to give account. They understand Romans 13. They understand, you know, we're going to send our men out. We're going to keep our women back. We're going to, I mean, all of that comes from a, a biblical mindset, even at a geopolitical level. Well, guys, that, that could change really rapidly. Because we're getting ready to go into a kingdom of heaven context. And man, it's a bloody world back there. Go back and read the Old Testament. It is brutal. Now, Israel kept back their women, but not the other nations. So it's, te- it's, te- it's terrible. Uh, it's, that's why the Old Testament's rough. And that's, where we're, that's what the tribulation period is. That's where you're back into. It's right back to that. So anyway, just a thought to think about.
when you look at something like this, that's the kind of warfare you're starting to see again is what is what I'm saying. Is it's it Mhm. Yeah, World War 3. Yeah. Or four. Some people think we've already had three with, of information war and we've lost it. And now we're in World War Four. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, some people think this is a four, World War Four already. So, yeah, for sure. I will tell you this, though. There's going to be, you know, a lot of people are going to also think, oh, it's the tribulation. Oh, it's this, it's that. Like Paul writing in the Thessalonians, like, no, no, that day has not come yet. Um, but there is a man of sin that's going to rise from all this. And that's also what Paul was pointing out in Second Thessalonians. So... Um, yeah, good stuff. Any other comments or questions? Yeah, Pam, let me run the mic because there might be someone listening. I've, I'm responding to comments that people can't hear, and Rex is making good comments. Appreciate that, Rex. <clears throat> so is it possible that the, the Antichrist will, could be identified before the rapture? Like this That's a good man question. I think I'm going to let Jeff answer that. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, so there's a covenant that will be signed. That's the key in, in Daniel. Uh, I don't know when the rapture will occur. It's imminent. So hypothetically, yes, the answer is it could be. The, the thing about the, the the rapture is that that a covenant could happen, but we could be caught up, and then that covenant happens. Uh, that covenant could be going on, then we get caught up. I, I tend to think that it won't be uh, that could that uh, uh, the seven years will be the key, and uh, and so. My, but your point is, could you be going? Hey, is that you think that guy's the Antichrist? And then yeah, you know, I mean, I guess hypothetically, yeah. But about the time you do that, you probably would be have the wrong guy, you know. So uh, I have seen that that son of Hamas guy is a good example of a guy I could see if he had some Jewish blood, that um, he'd be an ideal candidate. He's probably, he's young, he's he's a, he's a, he's a Palestinian, he's Jewish, he's sympathetic to the Jews uh, and their nation, uh, as, as I would be, you know. So he's the kind of guy that we'd all get behind. He wants peace, you know, between both Islam and the Jews. So I'm not saying he's the guy. My point is, is if that guy ascended to power, I'd be going, mm, maybe that's the guy, and I could be dead wrong. So God knows. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, hi- hypothetically, I would think, yeah, there's obviously going to be a man of, of influence that, that comes in that we might be able to, you know, say, hmm, that looks like him. Uh, but I think we'll be out of here before we get to see his ascension, you know, probably all the way. Um, but Saddam Hussein. And I'm careful with that because even in our circles of Bible-believing churches, there's there's varied opinions, you know. And I'm pretty I'm pretty dogmatic on mine, as a matter of fact, on his his composition. And then there's others that are just like he is the Pope, and I'm like, well, I don't necessarily think it, he is the Pope. I know the Mystery Babylon religion is totally supporting him, so uh, and the Pope will be involved. So you know, just I'm, I give everybody their. It could be the Pope. I don't know, and, and it could be not the Pope. Huh? Only God knows. Well, if you know, let me know because I don't. I don't know. So that's a that is a good question. I see, but I, that's why I say hypothetically. I think it's possible. Yeah. I don't know if it's probable though. So the th- the thought that he's alive probably. Yeah. Oh, can you give him the mic? I'm sorry. thinking of that verse in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 where it talks about him uh, and it says that we're you know be not deceived let no man deceive you by any means for that day that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is, who's he being revealed to? And, of course, I mean, this is written to the church. So Yeah, I, I take that to mean that, you know, he's, he's, he's setting that in the context of the midpoint when he talks about um, the uh, 
the abomination is of desolation. Right. Yes. So he's certainly yes. revealed at that point. But he's going to be deceptive initially. Yes. Because uh, Revelation chapter uh, six comes in on a white horse as a man of. So it really, what people are going to see, many people will see him as Messiah. You know, of course, initially he's a political figure. Um, he's not. I don't know that he takes that messianic stature until the midpoint. And so, uh, when he has a head injury and, and then rises up and and is also endowed with incredible supernatural power, so which God allows because a lie as a as a as a so that people can be deceived by his lies because he's a liar and the father of it, not God but Satan. So yeah, that's how I I do read that as as a it will be manifest in Daniel's seventy week there. We'll, I believe we'll be gone. The door will open and we'll be caught up. Uh, but he'll write in. I mean, he will be in. He will be in play with people of power. Also, though, they can bring people in very quickly. I mean, you see, Barack Obama came out of nowhere and became the president. I mean, it was like, who's this? Next thing you know, man, that dude George Soros had that dude in there lickety split, and he was on. So Bill Ayers, George Soros, and some money, and next thing you know, you're in the presidency. So. And I, I suspect he's still probably running the show behind the scenes. So, um, anyway, do you guys, is there any, comp, I hear things up in the booth. Is there any comments from up there? Okay. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's have a word of prayer because we are out of time. But this is good. The main thing I wanted to cover and I wanted to get to the end on was just to, to make sure that folks don't misunderstand any comments. We, we You know, Jew, the Jews and Israel, certainly. Uh, have a place and always and have in God's mind. So we support as a nation. Certainly, they should be uh, a nation. Uh, Palestinians, as a geopolitical group, don't even really have a right to that land. So they would be wise to integrate somewhere else. Um, having said that, they both need Jesus. And until the catching away of the church, we're gonna we 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 recognize that both of those groups need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And being a Jew in Jerusalem isn't going to save you any more than being a Palestinian praying five times a day to Allah in Gaza. Both of them need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he is already King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They just don't know it. Uh, and so that's that's really the issue for us. Uh, but as a nation, as a nation, I don't want to live in a nation that turns its back on Israel geopolitically because that's a nation that's slated to be cursed and not blessed. So you want the leaders of your nation to support Israel. Um, so that's as concise as I can make it. And a lot of what you're hearing about uh, the Palestinian plight is propaganda, frankly. This is Americans, especially young Americans that don't know any different. Brother, I'm not talking about an age, but spiritually, you need to get your head in the game. This is actually like a war going on already. So what you're hearing is propaganda, period. And so know what your Bible says, know where you stand in the Bible, and then take everything else as secondary information, even if it agrees with you. <laughs> because in the end of the day, what matters is people need to get saved. They need the gospel. So, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time.